This is It Was a Thing on TV. Spoiler number one is Dr. Lee Franz. It stinks. What is going on? <laughs> what is going on? Episode 141, submission number 811. You don't know Jack. You don't know Jack ran on ABC from June 20th to July 18th of 2001 for a total of six episodes. Gentlemen, I know that wasn't the theme to the actual TV show. That was the theme for one of the computer games. But the, the computer games, I've loved. Uh, I've been playing it for 25 years at this point. It really is an amazingly hilarious game. Yeah, it's a classic. It is. I, I remember playing this when I was in high school. And then when they opened up the web show... On, on Berserk.com. Berserk.com. I would play that every week. And then they got the PlayStation version. So I got the really good PlayStation version. And then I got the not quite as good, but still pretty good, the ride version on PlayStation. Oh, is that Mach 2? Mach 2, yeah. I have both of those versions on PS1. Yeah, I have all those games. Actually, I've got, I think I have all six regular versions of that game for the PC. Plus, then they did like a sports version and a TV version. And then there was Head Rush, if you remember Head Rush. Oh, I remember Head Rush. Oh, well, Head, there, Head was, Rush there was a little tabletop version too. I have. Oh, I, I got I, that. Yeah, I got that for Christmas one year uh, from a friend. I still have the tabletop version. And actually, one of the hobby shops I go into, one of the stores I go to, sells the actual tabletop version complete with the box. Nice. Oh, that's got to have some value. <laughs> Not much. Yeah, well, I said some value. I didn't say how much. But then it seems like you don't know Jack sort of, I don't want to say faded away into obscurity in the early to mid-2000s, but uh, we, we did go a number of years without a, a version of You Don't Know Jack. And I would say it was probably a good, I'd say eight years or so, like from 2003 till about 2011. Well, first they brought it back as like a Flash game. Yeah, they did bring it. Yeah, as a flash game. But I'm talking about an actual, like, tangible CD version oh. or, or a game version. Oh, yeah. yeah, the THQ version that was released on PC, Xbox 360, PS3, and the Wii. Yeah, I played the Wii version. It was all right. It was... Uh, and I can vouch it was for the DS2 because I have the DS version of that. Oh, I have the DS2. But the one good thing is the 360 and PS3, I think, had, like, downloadable question packs. Yeah, it did, I believe. And then there was another version that came out a little bit later. I think it was the 2015 version. But that was actually, I think, part of the, uh, 
one of the first party, uh, the, the Jackbox party packs. Yeah, it's one of the first Jackbox games. Yeah. When they switched from Jelly Vision to Jackbox. Yeah, and then within the last, I think, two or three years, they released a newer version. And actually, I should actually say newest version. And the newest version actually allows you to play against seven other people. It's an eight-player game. Now you can That's... use your mobile device. Yep. I so, love yeah. those things. So, yeah, this is a franchise that has a great legacy and probably one of my favorite series of any game. And it's more or less for that reason that I picked this episode. I did like that. I like the TV show, but I think the issue is it was maybe a little too absurd for your normal viewer. A little bit too absurd. Uh, a little too absurd, especially on the, the uh, premiere episode, the first episode. And we're going to play, and here's where the open to the uh, show is going to be, because there is a very special guest star in the open of that first episode. One Regis Philbin, because this show, I believe, debuted right after Millionaire. Yes. Yes, it did. <clears throat> and here's the little exchange that Reege and the host, who we'll get to in a second, he's another very familiar name. Here's their exchange and the open to the first episode. Enjoy. Good friends at the phone company are connecting me to another free long-distance call. I'm sorry, that's incorrect. I'm sorry, that's incorrect. I'm sorry, that's incorrect. I'm sorry, that's... Hello? Hi, it's Regis Philbin. Regis? Wow. What am I, somebody's lifeline? No, Paul, I'm just calling to welcome you to the wonderful world of game shows and to pass along a couple of pointers. Pointers? Hang on, Reg. Let me get a pen. <laughs> Got it, Reg. Point away. Well, the first thing you should do is smile. Smile a lot. Everybody loves a guy who smiles. Wow. Smile. <laughs> Next thing you'll be telling me to dress sharp and the clothes make the show. And dress sharp, Paul. Clothes make the show. Okay, I will, Reed. And another thing, the audience loves seeing other guys get rich. The more comfortable your guests are, the more likely they're going to win the big bucks. Listen, Reed, you seem really busy. Let me let you run. <laughs> Did the new guy just hang up on me? If you think this show is going to make anybody but me a millionaire, then you don't know Jack! <laughs> The show where high culture and pop culture collide like George W. in the English language. Here's Troy Stevens. Thank you and good evening. And to those of you at home, hello. <laughs> you look different. Have you had some work done? Did you notice that Regis said the phone company? Uh, yeah. Not AT&T, which would have been the underwriting sponsor of the phone of friends lifeline, but the phone company. Yeah, somebody didn't pay for sponsorship. But uh, actually, and we'll, uh, when we get to the show itself, there are other guests. It was a, a cavalcade of, of people. Now, I'm not going to say guest stars, I only really found one other major guest star, but you had a lot of, uh, let's say, sidebar activity going on. Well, hold up. 
Are you going to talk about the? Are we going to referring to the cameo in episode two? Yes, we are. Oh, okay. Because oh, I have a lot to say about this. Okay. So the game itself, in case you've never played, you don't know, Jack. First and foremost, why? Second off, you need to fix it like now or yesterday. But the game itself is, it's a trivia game. It's a question and answer game, mostly multiple choice, but with some twists, some wordplay types of twists and sometimes some uh some racy twists some naughty twists and uh that carried over to uh, this game and that's why i said i think this game was a little too goofy a little too out there for a crowd which just saw a millionaire with rages straight laced you don't have any sort of wackiness generally going on or absurdity let's say not necessarily wackiness because rage can be wacky but absurd humor so i think for that reason maybe it just didn't get the viewers for that reason maybe well you know another another thing about that you know what who one of the head writers was on that show joel hodgson yes really yeah and of course you would know his work on mystery size theater 3000 oh yes okay that's very interesting chico thank you very much so, so the game itself, it was reminiscent in some ways of the computer game in terms of the question writing, in terms of some of the comedy, in terms of some of the actual games they played or, or categories, if you will. So the game was played with three players and the game actually was sort of broken into three different rounds uh, with a commercial break in between each of the rounds. So in round one, Usually questions were worth a thousand dollars and they were generally multiple choice. There are some uh, uh, exclusions to this rule, but for the most part, they were a four answer multiple choice type of question. And there was always some sort of twist to the questions uh, in in terms of uh, some sort of joke or a common thread or something in that regard. And they played a couple of questions, pretty straightforward uh, albeit with you know goofy answers, and it, again, if you've ever played, you don't know Jack. It's quite funny at times. But then, to end the first part of the uh, of the show, the first uh, segment, they played a staple from the "You Don't Know Jack" game, "Dis or Dat." And what "Dis or Dat" basically uh, did was you had two choices, and there would be a statement read, and then you had to decide whether it's dis or dat. Or possibly it could refer to both of them, so you'd actually choose both. So actually in the first episode, the dis or dat was Barney or Satan, or both. And one of the answer choices was actually both, uh, because both had a tail. Uh, that was actually the question, you know, which one has a tail? Both do. Even though, you know, Satan and, and Barney, we know how much people hate Barney. And that's something you'll find in every game you don't know, Jack. There's always a dis or dat round in some capacity. Uh, and even, like I said, in the eight person you don't know, Jack, eight people play along at the same time. Uh, so that can really change your scores for the better or for worse. The answers in the dis or dat round were worth $1,000 a piece. There was no 
uh, opportunity for other people to steal on a rebound. And also, if you got a, uh, gave a wrong answer, you lost $1,000. So again, just like the computer game, if you're right, plus 1,000. If you're wrong, minus 1,000. And then we get to round two. R- round two is more or less the same as round one. But again, there's a little bit of absurdity involved. First off, the dollar values in round two are doubled. So they're generally worth $2,000. But then... And this may be my favorite part of the TV show. You have, and I feel like I need an echo effect for this. The two million million dollar, 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 dollar question. 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 There's a $2 million question. This is my favorite part of the show. I'm not going to lie. Even though it's predictable, even though, uh, you know, what's going to end up happening. The $2 million question, it started at $2 million but the value decreased very quickly. We're talking like generally like $100,000 per second for starters. And uh, and then at a slower rate beyond that, because obviously you don't want to make this a $0 question. And what would happen is purposely Troy Stevens. Oh, we didn't even mention Troy Stevens, the host, who is played by the one, the only Paul Rubens. Pee Wee Herman. That Paul Rubens? Yes, that Paul Rubens. And he had a look. He almost looked like a, a uh, somebody that uh, was a cast off from the world of Austin Powers. He had the very long hair and uh, and he, he sort of played a, a, I don't even want to say a swinger type, but he sort of was a, a swinger type, kind of, sort of, a lot of double entendres and breaking the fourth wall, flirting with the audience and stuff like that. So Troy Stevens would have a question, but invariably something would distract him. It could have been a gust of air blowing the card out of his hand and he he can't pick up the card because it's flying around the studio or he might be fighting with ninjas because just somehow ninjas appeared right when the question was being read and he had to fight them off. The end result was always... The question would be worth no more than a couple of hundred dollars. It might be $200, $300, but the dollar values went so low, they even got as low as into the teens. And I think there was even one time it got into single digits. So all these theatrics, all this goofiness on the $2 million question, Eshjin, Eshjin, and it ended up being worth, I don't want to say pocket change, but Pocket change, because you're not playing for $2 million, you're playing for for $17. And then what happens is that takes us to round three. And believe it or not, now round three, the values are tripled. So it's worth $3,000 for each question. And then also in this round, there was a question titled uh, in the category, things that sound dirty but aren't. So there's your, your sexual uh, double entendres there. And then the final question of the round was worth $5,000. And it was sort of reminiscent of a little something from remote control. Everybody remembers remote control. I love remote control. There was a little event called Beat the Bishop. No, not that's not a, a, a euphemism, at least. 
Well, well, that's what beating the bishop was. Okay, I'm sorry if at age 41 I just you know described a, a euphemism for you. <laughs> I know what it means. That's the thing. Okay, all right. I did wasn't sure about that, but beat the bishop was doing a math problem, but you were given them in different ways. They might say instead of like eight plus three, they might say how many uh, family members are there in the Brady Bunch plus how many daughters are there in the Brady Bunch. So that's would be your eight plus three. That's what this was. This was a four level question. And if you got it right, you got $5,000. If not, you're probably out of the game at that point. One thing I'm going to complain about, and I'm putting my math teacher hat on. And actually, let me, let me do it right now. I'm going to put on my, my, my teacher hat. I'm wearing a hat for my school. So that's my teacher hat for this. Uh, this is your teacher hat. The, the, this is... You can see what it says. It says my school's name on it. Yep. One thing that I noticed while watching this is apparently order of operations gets thrown out the window. Uh, yeah, because I have an example here. The unit number on MASH added to the number of digits on a U.S. Social Security number minus the number of Beatles on the cover of the White Album divided by the number of represented by a roll of Snake Eyes. Now, if you were to do a proper sort of order of operations, then the answer would be 4,086. 4077 plus 9. Minus zero divided by two. And zero divided by two would be first because PEMDAS. Uh, zero divided by two is zero. So that would just be 4077 plus nine minus zero. Here you're just sort of answering it all in order. Yeah, and actually that's the case on the first episode because uh, the big thing was at the end you had to multiply by zero the number of uh, Oscars that weekend at Bernie's won. And the thing is, the order of operations, the way you're supposed to do it is, again, as Chico said, PEMDAS, parentheses, exponents, multiply, divide, add, subtract. Instead of, of doing the actual answer, they accepted the answer of zero, which is clearly wrong. Now, I, I don't think that uh, PEMDAS and order of operations was invented between 2001 and and when I got my teaching license in 2006. So, yeah, somebody screwed up there. And I even wonder what would have happened if somebody actually used PEMDAS as uh, they should and got a different answer, but were ruled wrong. I don't know. Maybe it just falls in place with the, the absurdity of the show. You know, let, let's ignore all rules of math. But also, uh, when people are doing this math problem, there's always some sort of distraction going on. Uh, you might have a crying baby. On the premiere episode, you actually had, a, I think it was a five or six piece mariachi band. You had on, uh, children on violins playing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. Just not that well, so it isn't very peaceful. You, they're probably squeaking a lot. And then the two people who have the most money after this question they go back to another standard from the You Don't Know Jack series. They go to the Jack Attack. And the Jack Attack, it's played the exact same way as the, the video games. You're given a prompt 
and you're given a category and the answers you're going to see four five, six answers fly by and you have to lock in while that answers on the screen. And if you do, you got $5,000. And if you got it wrong, you lost $5,000. And they'd play six questions, which I believe is the number that they played in the, you don't know, Jack game. I think it was six, maybe seven questions. And whoever had the most money won the game. And the other player received a consolation prize, like a gift basket of deodorant. Not kidding. That was the, the consolation prize on the first episode. And we should also add another key piece from the You Don't Know Jack series was the announcer of the show who also announced uh, or handled the uh, saying the names of the different possibilities in the Jack attack is Cookie Masterson. Yes. Uh-huh. Who you also might know better as Tom Gottlieb, his real name. And Tom Gottlieb has one of those voices you've definitely heard because he's been narrating whacked out sports for years now. I mean, oh, it's got to be well over a decade. Oh, no, yeah. longer than a decade. I said at least a decade, well over a decade. Yes. So, I mean, it might be closer to 15 years now, but he, he's the voice of whacked out sports. If you get reruns of that from, gosh, like I said, 2008, 2009, it, it's been on reruns here forever. It's classic Sunday afternoon filler or Sunday night filler. Fun fact, Tom Gottlieb, brother of Jellyvision founder Harry Gottlieb, who voiced the original host, if you don't know, Jack, Nate Shapiro. In the first game. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That takes me back. I didn't even know there was an era where Cookie Masterson didn't exist. Well, no. Cookie in the first game was the producer in the first game, if I remember correctly. It's been a long time since I played the first version. Yeah, because in the lore, he started out as the producer in the first two games. And then I think it wasn't until, like, you don't know Jag movies where he transition to the host and then he was the host i think in volume three and then also you did have kind of goofy activities happening before and after the show you actually had well not actually but there was a murder at the start of the second episode and they were investigating it and uh, we mentioned regis at the beginning of the first episode and then actually in the first episode and i still remember this from 20 years ago somebody on this stage is going to walk off with this car and they show a nice brand new car and the joke behind it, who's driving off with the new car. Troy Stevens is driving off. You see him peel out of the parking lot at the end of the show, sort of maniacally laughing. Ha ha ha. I, I didn't think any of the contestants were going to win the car. I said, somebody on the stage is going to drive off in this car. No, he, basically, he looked at the camera and said, I told you someone on this stage was going to drive off in his brand new car. Yes. Classic. Again, absurdist humor. Classic in my mind. But again, it, it's just a little too out there for an audience after Millionaire. A after this tough quiz where millions of dollars are at stake, especially at this point, because this would have been in the middle of their the escalating jackpot era. So you're playing maybe not for $2 million at this point, but you're probably playing for, I would guess at least one and a half million or, or 1.4 million. 
So you go from this big money, high intensity quiz show, very serious to, I don't want to say fluff, but let's call it fluff. It was sort of fluff. Well, I don't say terribly fluffy, but it was not millionaire is basically what I'm trying to get at. No. Uh, I can tell you right now, did Who Wants to Be a Millionaire ever have the host fighting off a horde of ninjas? I don't think I saw Regis fight off a horde of ninjas. I'm looking at Troy fight off a horde of ninjas in the $2 million question. Yes, uh, and I believe that was the third episode where that happened. But also, we should add a couple other things. First, one of the production companies behind this, besides Jellyvision, obviously... Carsey Werner Mandebach. That Carsey Werner Mandebach? Yeah, yeah, the one who, uh, among other things, brought us O Madeline, but also brought us The Cosby Show. And that just seems weird saying that. From the people who brought us The Cosby Show and uh, numerous other shows, obviously they did uh, Different World and uh, so many shows back in the 80s and 90s. They brought us this? Well, I mean, again, let's remember their first show was O'Madeline. That didn't do so well. So maybe those were like the bookends. You had O'Madeline to start. You don't know, Jack, it wasn't necessarily at the end, but it was after the good stuff in the middle. Yeah. And then also we did have the, the occasional cameo. We mentioned that earlier. We mentioned uh, Reed, obviously, on the first episode. But on the second episode, oh yes, uh, Troy Steven starts off the game uh, with "Let the games begin," and who comes from behind uh, one of the walls, uh, one of the backdrops? Carl Lewis with an Olympic-style torch to light a scented <laughs> candle. Oh uh, uh, yeah, a scented candle. A scented candle. Yeah, it was like a purple or blue scented candle, maybe like four or five inches tall. And he had this big torch, like three feet tall or three, four feet tall, four feet long. And he just bowed it down and, and, and lit the, uh, the, the, the scented candle. That is absurd. Yes. Hey, there'll be one more time this year where we're going to talk about Carl Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what it is. Francis Scott off key. Yes. Don't spoil it. Yes, uh, that's Carl Lewis, nine-time Olympic medalist. Going on, you don't know Jack, and all he did, he had a line or two, but he took the torch and lit a scented candle. Was that really worth the money to pay Carl Lewis to do that cameo? No. Yes. No, I think he had it right the first time. (laughs) So, yeah, that really, I mean, it's not a long episode, but that's you don't know Jack. It was... Very uh, again, I'm going to use the word absurd. I may be using it a little too much, but it was absurd, it was ridiculous, it was funny, it was a little bit of a deviation from the You Don't Know Jack uh, computer game series or video game series, I should say. But one thing that we could definitely say after almost almost 20 years now that makes me feel old, but after 20 years, we could definitely say that You Don't Know Jack. It was a thing on TV. It was. Yep. But and, and, and I'll tell you right now, if people found out about it before it was canceled, maybe it would still be a thing on TV. I don't know. And I, and I'm going to just chime in with this. 
Uh, one of the last episode that aired was actually the pilot episode. Yes. We'll say there were five episodes plus the pilot. That still was six episodes that aired. And I remember again, 20 years ago, actually, I think it was over 20 years ago at this point. Cause I think these episodes recorded, I want to say fall of 2000 fall or, or winter of 2000. No, uh, 2001. Yeah. The, yeah, ABC sat on these episodes for a little while. I'm going to assume probably nine months. Maybe they were meant to air or expected to air in September to December of of 2000, but were burned off in the summer. Well, well that may well, be the reason why we didn't see any more episodes because they were just well, burning them off because gosh knows networks have done that with other shows. And it's bit them in the butt kind of sort of go back to, to tell the truth last week when they being ABC sat on those original episodes for about a year. Well, remember, Mike, wasn't there supposed to be a writer's strike in 2001? It's very possible because remember how many different uh, non-scripted shows they had on at that time, like weakest link. I mean, how many times did they air Wink- weakest link? It, I mean, they had a, it was one of those shows that was shown quite often yeah but i i do remember that they were expecting a writer's strike in 2001 and it never happened yeah yeah it, it's very possible but also with all due respect there are bigger things going on in 2001 well yeah. that didn't happen until the fall yeah i i did want to add that a friend of ours who isn't with us anymore he he's been deceased for almost 20 years Randy Amasia actually went to some of the uh, episodes. I, I know he was at the pilot episode. Yeah, he had a full sort of write-up on the pilot, and he was not kind. It was not very praiseworthy, no. No. So th- that's another way that the show bombed. It was, I mean, I don't think it was ever expected to be the next big hit, but based on just, you know, good friends of ours, writing on the internet here's how i felt the show went and they didn't have much good to say about it yeah and again i'm going back to the word absurd that was the show in a nutshell it was absurd humor it wasn't straightforward i mean there were some sight gags and whatnot but there are a lot of times where troy stevens broke the fourth wall to give a little wink, wink, or you know, so, some sort of uh, little um, double entendre or something like that. It, it just doesn't play for a millionaire audience. I was not a fan of this version of the show at all. And my thinking is, the game is basically the game plays out in your head when you're playing it on the computer. You don't see everything that's going on. You're imagining what's going on. So when you actually see it on the show, it's like it doesn't translate well. It's like this is, uh, you don't know, Jack, by and large, is an exercise of the theater of the mind. But when you put it on the TV show, you pop that bubble. I'm watching episode four right now on YouTube. There is a giant light that shines on the $2 million question and sets it on fire. Does that ever happen? Well, thank heavens that didn't happen on the episode with Carl Lewis and the torch. Now, you make a good point. That that is, 
you do have to, there's a theater of the mind involved in all of this. And it, again, it just, it got lost in translation. It just, it, it sounds good in theory, but how many, how many times have we said something sounds good in theory, but dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Well, well also here's the thing. You have too many people involved in this show. You have, you obviously have the jelly vision people, obviously, but you also have Carsey Warner. You also have Joel Hodgson, as we mentioned. Did we mention oh. Robert Morton was involved in this? Robert Morton from The Late Show? Yes. Oh, you know who else was involved in this? Andrew Golder. Who's Andrew Golder? Who uh, <laughs> helped create both debt and win Ben Stein's money. Yeah, he's the guy behind Win Benstein's money. Yes, so he's definitely a known fixture. So we have like all, all, all the hands on this show. This is a case, and this is probably a reason why he did not care for this version. It's a case of too many cooks. No, that's later this year. It takes a lot to make a stew. A pinch of salt and laughter too. Scoop of kids to add the spice A dash of love to make it nice And you've got Too many cooks 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 So yeah, just All these hands And that's not even including the people on the stage Because as we mentioned There were ninjas, there were three ninjas there was a mariachi band. Wait, did you say three ninjas? Where was oh, Rocky no. Cole and Tum Tum? Uh, why do I open the door for Greg? No. Okay, I apologize. There were ninjas, and there just happened to be one more than two of them on stage. And then you had the mariachi band, which consisted of at least five people. So, I mean, literally you had too many people or too many cooks behind the scenes and possibly too many in front of the scenes too. It's a good thing you said five mariachi people because I was going to make a three amigos joke. I'm going to take off my leg. I'm dead serious. I'm going to take off my leg. I'm going to swing it around sort of like how Tim Conway's ass in that chair on that episode of uh, Ace Crawford, how he knocked over everything in, in Billy Barty's house. I'm going to just go totally crazy, swinging my leg around the house. Oh, Good. Boy. Damn it. Okay. You know, I, I'm, I'm, pull, I'm pulling up my, my, Oh no. going to throw the shankler around. Anywho. So yeah, there were just too many people involved. It was too, outside the box, if you will, maybe too much of a deviation from what the computer game was. And again, yeah, you're trying to get the younger demographic, which maybe you did get the younger demographic a little bit, but the older demographic who's never heard of You Don't Know Jack probably doesn't have an idea what's going on. I mean, I know my parents played You Don't Know Jack 25 years ago or so, that would have put him at my age, uh, mid-40s at the time. But, I mean, how many people in their 60s or 50s played You Don't Know Jack? Probably not a whole heck of a lot. So watching episode 5 on YouTube now, we have a question that is asked entirely in Japanese with the choices given in English. And that's before the $2 million question. That's how absurd this show is. Oh, yeah. They had some very unconventional questions 
there was an opera singer that came out and did a note and they had to determine what note did she sing? A, B, C, or D? D did she sing an A, a B, a C, or a D? And everybody whipped on that question. It was an A she sang. It was a very high A. I knew it wasn't C because I don't know what C sounds like. I, I played band uh, for a number of years in, in high school. So, yeah. But, but yeah, but also, I mean, at that point, it, it sort of becomes a guessing game. And it's not a good look when, oh, all three people are wrong. Yeah, no, it wasn't a D. No, it wasn't a B. No, it wasn't a C. It was an A. So now, you know, it gets to be very luck based, especially when, like you said, a question's read in Japanese, and then you're given four choices in English. Unless you're a Japanese speaker, how are th this is a guessing game and, and sort of a high stakes guessing game at that, especially if it's in one of the later rounds. Now that I'm looking at it, now that we've mentioned some of these random events, now the show's sort of souring on me. I told you it was. I mean, I still loved Troy Stevens, the character. I'm sorry. Oh, you, Paul Rubens was fine. Oh, yeah. Paul, yeah you, you, you'll never get me to say a bad word about Paul Rubens between Troy Stevens, between Pee-wee's Playhouse, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. I mean, I, he is part of my childhood. But, yeah, the, the, this is just too outside the box, I think. And when the game becomes, you know, is it one, two, three, or four? And you're just guessing based on sheer luck. No, no, nothing to guide you in a certain direction necessarily, especially if you don't speak another language or you're, you're tone deaf or what have you. That doesn't make a good game. No. Like we said, computer game works because it's theater of the mind. When you actually see it in a real setting with real money, it doesn't work. Nope. I'll say the, the Jack Attack worked, but as a show... It, well, the Jack Attack is hard to mess up. Well, that's very true. But as a whole, yeah, the, just in retrospect, this show, nah, it, it's not that good. And, and again, it hurts me to say that because I love the franchise. Uh, and as I said also, if you're interested in playing You Don't Know Jack on one of the newer consoles... Jackbox Party Pack 1 has uh, the version of uh, You Don't Know Jack. And then there's a new one released, I believe, for uh, Jackbox Party Pack 5. And they're on sale all the time because I, I see all sorts of stuff on Facebook about uh, Steam sales and sales uh, in the PlayStation Store. and Yeah, and also the original versions on PC are for sale at $2.99 each on Steam. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, you can get, I think, all the games. I want to say all the games, including, like, Head Rush and, and yeah. you mentioned the ride and all that. Yeah. I, I don't think – I think it's $20 for all the games. It's yeah. not all that much. Yeah, the only games that are not included in that pack or you don't know Jack Fifth Adventure, because I think that used an online feature in the game. Yes, it did, yes. And also, there were two versions, I remember, of the Net Show that were released on PC – for offline. offline offline and louder faster funny which was like a best of the berserk game those two versions aren't on steam Aww. but you can get them on pc cd rom provided you have like an older windows computer that can run them or a mac an older mac somewhere 
Okay. Well, I, I know we said this was a thing on TV like 10 or 15 minutes ago. L- let's actually put a little bow on it. So, yeah, that's all I'm going to say about You Don't Know Jack. If you want to watch the shows, they're all on YouTube. Yeah, if you know where to look. Yeah, they're not that hard to find. With that, next week, it's oh. nobody's birthday next week. Well, actually, you know, it's not somebody's birthday, but the topic of our first show is related to somebody's day, which is uh, in early March. Oh. Oh, yes. It's a somebody. It is It is a somebody. It is a known somebody. It is it's a, known- a somebody. It's a somebody. Hey, paisanos. Oh, why don't you just give him the answer, Greg? That was the one hint I was hoping Greg wouldn't say. But then after we talk about that day, boy, I wonder who we're talking about. Hey, hey, let me consult my captain. I have to call my friend Lou. Jeez. This is why we don't let Greg out of the house on weekends. Okay. And then the second episode, it was a continuation of a very successful show. Uh, I, I would call it a spinoff. A technically, sequel, even? Well, I would say technically it's a spinoff, but really it, it sort of keeps with the canon of the original show. So I, I would say think kind of sort of like Sanford Arms and Sanford kind of sort of how that related to Sanford and Son. Except like, most of the cast is actually in this. Yeah, but some of the new people in this show, huge names. Yes. Oh, but yes. Some people were famous at the time. Some people would go on to be famous later. Exactly, yes. One person in particular, but we're not going to say who just yet. Yeah. No, no, that should be an ample enough clue for, for the next uh, week's Let's episode. just say they call him a war machine. Mike won't get it, but I'd get it. Greg gets it. Anywho, remember, like, comment, and subscribe. Visit our website for all the previous episodes. And if you're listening on YouTube, don't forget to hit the bell. Ding. For future updates. And, of course, big shout-outs to our friends at Place to Be Nation. This week, we are dropping a couple of good ones, actually. What are we dropping this week? Well, we had the powers of Matthew Starr, and then... We had to tell the truth, eighty. I gotta say, to tell the truth, eighty was a lot of fun. It really was. It, it was one of the better shows uh, as of late. I agree. And one thing I forgot they added in post was we mentioned that Gene Marsh was on the second week of To Tell the Truth, eighty. Dame Gene Marsh, yes. You do know that she was Sarah Kingdom in the Doctor Who serial, The Daleks' Master Plan, right? I was today years old when I learned that. I had you not know that. That's pretty common that she was Sarah Kingdom. Hmm. Must have forgotten. I don't know. Imagine what else I'll learn from listening to this show. Hmm. And also, in addition to liking, subscribing, rating, uh, reviewing us, don't forget the socials. Yeah. All the socials. Yeah. Especially the Twitter. We're very active on Twitter. Not to say that we're not active on Facebook and also on on Instagram, but add us on the socials. You'll see uh, what episode uh, the newest episode is 
literally like hours after it's released. And also, if you have any feedback regarding something, or if you want to suggest a show or something, you could email us at it was a thing on TV at gmail.com. Really? I, we actually do have another email address. I didn't know that we have a Gmail address. Yeah, well that I got that as the result of the YouTube channel. Oh, huh. okay. That's how they got the YouTube channel. Got it. So that's it for this week. Thank you for uh, my birthday gift for letting me talk about a show that I now have regrets about. It aged well. No, it, it, it aged. It did age, but also, again, I'm now looking uh, at it from a different pair of glasses. And yeah, they tried, but um, th- this was never going to be a show that lasted a- any considerable length of time. It was going to burn out at some point. No, yeah. And it just happened to burn out after a month. Yeah. Uh, yep. Until next week, thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Wow! That's the game! Blair, when I think of you, I think of superlatives like great, amazing, fabulous, trivia geek with no social life, stuff like that. But don't thank me, because the real truth is... You don't know Jack.